This morning, I am, I'm working through a series. So if, if you're visiting with us today, uh, I'll catch you up on what we're doing in this series. We're talking about the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And we have, in the weeks past, looked at how Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven, particularly in the Gospel of Matthew, in the parables that Matthew tells. Today, I'm going to deviate from that just a little bit. We won't be in Matthew. Today, I'm going to be in the book of Romans, because we're going to talk a little bit today about how faith impacts our place in the kingdom as we hear a profession of faith and we think about what it means for us to be people who profess our faith, something about how faith works as a part of the kingdom. I imagine that many of you, maybe all of you, are familiar with the name Dolly Parton. Do you know who Dolly Parton is? Right, Country western singer. It's been around for a while. Dolly Parton has one of those unique places within music to where it seems as though she is liked by everyone. Right? Dolly Parton seems to have no enemies. And Dolly Parton, for whatever reason, can cross the spectrum of music in ways that very few others can. In fact, there, there's a compilation album that Dolly Parton is working on to be released that's all duets. And it's bringing in other, other artists that she sings with, and it covers people from, you name it, any piece of music that you can think of. So other country western singers, rock and roll singers, hip-hop, rap artists, all of them joining Dolly Parton because everybody likes Dolly Parton. A person who lives an example, an example that shows honorable integrity, that the way that she lives and presents herself is seen as acceptable and welcoming to just about everybody else. Something that brings her that place of being accepted in so many circles. We think about that in different ways within the church too. What it means to be accepted. What it means to be honorable. What it means to have integrity. And the Bible uses a word that connects to that. It's the word righteousness. We're going to talk about that a little bit in this passage from Paul this morning. What it means to be righteous and how that works into our faith and our place in the kingdom, as that goes. So, to do that today, we're going to read from Romans, and this comes from Romans chapter 10. And I'm going to read the first 13 verses of that, where Paul talks about righteousness and how that works as a part of our faith. Before we read that together, would you pray with me? God, as we open your word today, may this be your word for our hearts. As we know that these are words on a page spoken long ago, God, we declare that this is your living word for us today. So may your spirit work that into our hearts to tell us what we need to hear from you today as we read this. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, Romans 10, I'm going to read the first 13 verses. It says this, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God and for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but... Their zeal is not based 
on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses writes this about righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or, Who will descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Righteousness, then. How righteousness plays into something of what it means for us to be people of faith and people who are a part of God's kingdom and how that develops. Righteousness is this thing that, that I talk about that in the Bible it refers to something that makes a person acceptable and honorable and in good standing with integrity. Something that we talk about in our world too. Maybe we don't use the word righteousness to describe that, but it's similar in what it means, right? That when we think of what it means to be right before God, to be righteous before God, what it means is, what we're talking about is that God accepts us, that we are acceptable before God with honorable, good standing and integrity before God. That's what it means to be righteous when you think of how righteousness works out. And it's what we strive to do as people who follow God in many ways. But Paul is giving us an important corrective about that, right? How it is we think about our own righteousness and how that plays out then for what it means for us to be a part of God's kingdom. So there, there's the movements I'm going to make today in this message. We'll talk a little bit about righteousness, what it means and how, how that comes to us. We'll talk about how that righteousness expresses itself in our faith as a profession of faith. We'll talk about that. And then thirdly, we'll talk about how that relates to our place in the kingdom and what it means for us to be a part of God's kingdom. All right, those movements that work with this then. Talking about righteousness first what it means for us to be righteous. Now, in this passage, Paul and Paul's talking about righteousness and maybe words that I'll go back to and explain a little bit because as we read through this, maybe there were a few phrases in there that were kind of head-scratching. Huh, what's Paul talking about there? How does this work? So, break it down. 
two kinds of righteousness that Paul is talking about in Romans 10. Two kinds of righteousness. He lays one of them out that we saw in verse 5. Moses writes about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. That's one kind of righteousness that Paul talks about. It's the righteousness that comes in all of those laws of the Old Testament. As you read those books of the Old Testament, all those things that the Israelites had to do as a part of God's people, the rules that they had to follow and keep, that if they did those things, if they followed those rules, they would be righteous before God. They would have honorable integrity. They would be acceptable to God by doing those things. All those rules from the Old Testament. That's one kind of righteousness that Paul is talking about. A righteousness that comes by the law. A righteousness that, as Paul writes about that in the New Testament, he declares over and over again, we have a hard time with that. We struggle to keep that. Even our best efforts fall short of being able to do that. And so, Paul offers then a different kind of righteousness in this passage as well. Talks about that in verse 6 and following. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend to heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or who will descend to the deep? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. All right, a little explanation. What in the world is Paul talking about here? He is going back and he's quoting from Deuteronomy 30, or paraphrasing, from Deuteronomy 30 is where this comes from. And what he's making a connection to here is, it seems like in all of those efforts to do what the Old Testament law requires, what we're actually trying to do is, what we're trying to do what Christ has already done. That in our efforts, if we continue to live in that way, if we continue to live as people who try to find a righteousness by the law, all we're trying to do now is to do what Jesus has already accomplished. Because we cannot be the ones who is sent to glory as Christ has done. We cannot be the ones who descend into the depths of the grave as Christ has already done, to count that towards righteousness. You see where Paul's making a connection here. All people that continue to live in ways where we try to find our own righteousness by following all the rules and doing everything right, all we're trying to do is live up to something that Jesus has already done and it's already accomplished. Which is why go on to say then and backing up to the beginning of the passage here right here's where he puts that together since they talking about the people who try to follow the law since they did not know the righteousness of god did not know all that jesus had accomplished for them and sought to establish their own righteousness they did not submit to god's righteousness christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes that Jesus brought all of that together. 
did not abolish the law and say it's no good anymore, but fulfilled the law, reached its completion, and has done that in a way where the righteousness of Christ then is something that is extended to all who believe, to everyone who comes to Christ. Now everyone can receive this righteousness, a righteousness that is by faith. Right? That is the other side of righteousness that Paul is talking about in this. Instead of a righteousness that comes by the law, we now live as people who have a righteousness that is by faith, that is by believing in Jesus. That's how we come to God now, as those who believe and declare that faith that we have. In this passage, notice the way that Paul includes everybody. All the times in this passage, in these 13 verses, where Paul says words like everyone and anyone and all who call upon God, that it's not an exclusive club. But Paul here is opening the doors wide open that anyone, anyone who comes to God in faith receives his righteousness. Anyone. There's nothing that you have to do extra special to get on that list. Just believe in what Jesus has done for you. And everyone is a part of that. How does that righteousness work itself out in our faith then? So if that's what Jesus has done for us, think about how that then comes to be a part of who we are. Because what we declare when we profess faith, when we profess faith, what we are declaring is that Jesus has done what we never could. Right? That Jesus came and took the guilt of my sin and he took that to the cross so I don't wear the guilt of that sin anymore. And then at the cross where Jesus took our guilt, Jesus made an exchange. He gave to us his righteousness so that we are now clothed, covered in the righteousness of Christ. So now when we talk about what it means to be righteous, when we talk about what it means to, and remember what we're saying about righteousness, what it means to be acceptable before God, what it means to have honorable integrity before God, it comes in one way and one way only, because it's the righteousness of Christ that we wear, that we are clothed with, not a righteousness of our own, of God given to us. And that's your identity now. When the Heavenly Father looks down upon you now, He does not see the guilt of your sin. He doesn't see it because Jesus took that. He took that guilt. When the Heavenly Father looks down and sees you now, what He sees is the righteousness of Christ in you. That's what you wear. And that's how God sees you now in the righteousness of Christ. And it comes to us then by faith. So let, let's work on how that comes together. How it is that our faith makes that expression and how that makes us a part of God's kingdom. Here's what Paul continues to say about that. Words that we've looked at a couple times in this service already. 
If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. That our profession of faith, the faith that we have, at least the way Paul is describing it here, it seems to have two sides to it, internal and external, if you think about it that way. That first of all, there's an internal faith, an internal faith that Paul talks about is believing in your heart, something that is genuine and authentic. It's real because think about this. God is all-knowing. God knows your heart. God knows your thoughts. You can't fake a faith to God because God would know. So that internal piece of faith is a piece that says, because God knows my heart, because God knows my thoughts, because God intimately knows every part of me, that faith then becomes genuine, authentic. It's real. It's a part of who I am. And it's internal that way. It can't be fabricated. It can't be faked. But it's real, the faith that God plants inside. That's an internal piece of faith that Paul talks about. If you believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord. But then, then there's this external part. That faith is not only internal, but it's external. Because he says, and if you declare with your mouth, then you will be saved. An outward expression of what I inwardly believe. That the faith that we have and we hold within our hearts is something that expresses itself outwardly for the world to see and to hear. That we live that faith in ways that give it an expression beyond just what we hold in our hearts. And then, coming from a place where it's authentic and genuine, this is a faith that expresses itself outwardly in authentic and genuine ways as well. It refers to not only the things we say. I know Paul says that because here, again, he's quoting from Deuteronomy 30. So he's taking words that come from the Old Testament, and he's following that theme of the word being in our heart and in our mouths. But more than the words we say, I think what Paul is after here is he's after an expression that fills our entire lives. It is in what we say and in what we do and in how we live that anything that expresses our faith outwardly, if that's in word or if that's in actions, all of that is an external expression of our faith. That we live our faith out for others to see. It's expressed externally. And this then connects our faith to the kingdom. That when you and I are people who live our faith in ways that expresses itself externally for others to see and others to hear and know in who we are and in how we live, it is an expression of faith that binds us with God's kingdom. We've been talking about kingdom here in this series over past weeks, and we've been noting the ways that the Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven not only as a future place. 
it will reach its fullness in the future, but not only future, but also present. Jesus declares in the Gospels, the kingdom of God is here. And we've been talking in this series about how the kingdom of God is not only spiritual, it's not, not only an otherworldly thing, but it is also very much a part of the world we're in now. That Jesus brought the kingdom, ushers in the kingdom with him into our world. We've been talking about the kingdom of heaven as those kinds of concepts. Something that is here and now, even though it has not reached its full completion yet. But the beginnings of that are here and now. We, then, as people of faith, join within that kingdom, are a part of that kingdom. So how does Paul put that then, and, and how would that come to us in ways that connect all of that together? I would think of it this way, this way that when I profess my faith, I am declaring to the rest of the church and to the world that Jesus has redeemed my life. Let me stop there for a moment. Declaring to the church and to the rest of the world, Jesus has redeemed my life. That I am right before God because Jesus has given me his perfect righteousness. That is something that Jesus and only Jesus can do. We refer to that or talk about that as Jesus being our Savior. It's one of those promises. And the questions that I asked for profession of faith, do you embrace Jesus as Savior? This is an embracing of Jesus as Savior. But we also, in that same promise, say that we embrace Jesus not only as Savior, but also Lord. That Jesus is both Savior and Lord. So Jesus has done what only Jesus can do to make me right with God, with his perfect righteousness. Now what? Then what? What comes next? Uh, what's the purpose? What's the reason? Why would God do that? Why would he restore us into that right relationship? So let me finish the sentence then. I profess my faith. I'm declaring to the rest of the church in the world that Jesus has redeemed my life to participate in the restoration of God's redeemed world. That I'm saved for a reason. That God has planted this faith in me and grown me to a place and done that with every one of us who come here in faith. That God has developed our faith to a place where we now walk with God's people in the body of Christ, in the church, for a reason. To participate in the restoration of God's redeemed world. Think about how Paul says that. And I'm, I'm flipping out of Romans now. Here's what Paul says in Galatians. In Galatians 2, he puts it this way. For you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's why we've been saved. That is where our faith is pointing. That we now participate in the restoration of God's redeemed world. Perhaps one of the 
most well-known verses in all of the Bible is John 3.16. One of those things that, you know, you see people holding up signs at football games written on that. A verse that most people know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The gospel message there. A gospel message that's motivated, and it, Jesus says it. It's motivated by God's love for the world. This world, the world that we're in, the world that God loves so much that Jesus died for it. That's the world God loves. A world that God is redeeming unto himself again. And a world in which you and I as people of faith are now given a place and an opportunity to participate in what God is doing to redeem his world, to bring it back to a place of his shalom, his peace, his flourishing. How that works in our lives then may be a little different for every one of us. How does your faith take expression in the world that you live in? How does that work? Well, some of that's going to depend on how you're gifted. What it is that you're good at doing. How does your faith express itself in the life that you live? For some people here, it may take an expression that shows up in creation care. God loves this world so much, and I'm going to love this world too by how I care for the natural world around me. Some of that is taking shape in how you take care of the world around you. And some of you dedicate and are good at doing that. Others of us, maybe it's about connecting and loving relationships, that you have a giftedness that is able to connect with other people so that they know that they're loved and cared for in ways that express something of being able to know God's love and God's care, and it turns hearts towards God. It's ways of expressing the faith that we have that expresses into the lives of other people in the world that we live in now. Some of you, maybe it's you're good at doing things with your hands. You can build, you can cultivate, you can develop, you can create things that make this world a better place to be. Doing that because God has given you that gift to do and has freed you to participate in the redeeming of his, the restoration of his redeemed world. Some of you, maybe it's artistic talent, that you're good with music or dance or theater or however that is. Ways that give an expression of creativity that display for us and resonate within us God's goodness. God's goodness in this world. All of those things, all those talents, all those gifts, all those abilities, we all have something unique about us. But it's the way that God has gifted each one of us to live out the faith that we have. And then be ready. Be ready when the moment is there to give the words to it, to give the reason why. I don't do these things because I'm just trying to be a good person. That's not the reason why. I don't do these things because I feel like, you know what, I have an obligation now. That's not the reason why. That I live the way I live and I do the things that I do 
because I'm covered in the righteousness of Christ. And because I'm redeemed by Christ, I'm free now to live as someone who participates in his restoration of his redeemed world. That is where our faith points us. It's a part of God's kingdom. A kingdom that exists here and now among us, even though it is still reaching for its full fulfillment. But a kingdom in which our faith plugs us in and plants us in this world so that we declare the gospel message in who we are and in how we live. Embrace Jesus in your heart that it may be a faith that is genuine and authentic. And express Jesus in how you live so that the world which God loves may know and see that expression as well. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word and the way you explain to us in your word how it is that we are made right with you. God, we're sorry for the times when we've lost our way in that. Times when perhaps we have tried to find our own righteousness. We've depended on our own abilities. Lord, we're sorry for times when maybe we have hidden our faith, covered it up, failed to express it externally for others to see, to know, and to hear. But Lord, we know because we declare that this is a faith that you bring to us by your sacrifice, that we are forgiven by you. We are restored and made whole. We know and we declare that as you look down on us, you do not see the guilt, our sin. All you see is the righteousness of Christ covering us. Thank you so much for that. And God, may the lives that we live then be an expression of that faith for all to see and all to know. We pray this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.